0: Hello? Is there anybody there?
1: Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Becky. And I'm Emma.
2: And I think Tash forgot what our podcast was
1: called. What did I say? Did I say Spine Chillers and Serial Killers?
2: You did, but you hesitated.
1: Okay, well, I am sure that's what I'm doing. (laughs) But maybe it's because I died and then came back
2: to life. Oh, babes. (laughs) It did sound last week a bit like you died, didn't it?
1: (laughs) it was so funny and I couldn't stop listening to it I literally listened to it about three times in a row and then I've listened to it again today and I just laugh every time it's literally like I've died but I haven't died and I wasn't getting dick I just had a power over
0: yeah
2: what a eulogy though can you imagine if that was your eulogy just you talking about flaccid vampire dick (laughs) (laughs) It, it
1: honestly can't not be a eulogy for me like i'm sorry babe but you're gonna have to start taking snippets of all these funny things i take like a just in case file and then every now and then just send them out to like people so that it can be a eulogy for me morbid but funny
2: well yeah but can you also like not die like, I all—I don't intend to die, but you know, I mean, we might be doing this podcast in our nineties, but I doubt it. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be so funny.
2: We'd have exactly the same sense of humour, but it'd just be ninety-year-old grannies. Do you know what? I reckon there's, there'd be a market for that
0: granny talk. Oh my god, yes!
2: The dirty grannies.
0: I have to call it uh, "only grans." <laughs> <laughs>
1: My nan is 83 and she tells me some hilarious
2: stories. And old people can just get away with stuff, right? They could just say shit and you're, you're just like, yeah, that's fine.
1: <laughs> it always shocks me though. Her next door neighbour's been having like some work done in their garden. They had some work done previously and they, and the guy, his name's Sam, he's the gardener. And she was telling me about him. She's like, Oh, he's really attractive. She was like, I like it when Sam comes. I was like, All right. And then um, I turned up the other day and he was there. And I was like, Oh, I see what you mean. I was like, Put in a good word for me. And she went, No, hands off.
2: He's mine. <laughs> Go, Tasha's grand.
1: Literally, I was like, but if I marry him, he'll be in your life too. So I was like, it's a win-win. We can share, Gran. <laughs> Listen, she didn't put a good word in for me, so I am a little bit put out. But, you know, that's fine. Were are you trying to steal her man? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Claws are out. Because we um, missed the whole cringy word thing. Because we did record it and then obviously we couldn't publish it. We did get my little story about using the word sound, which, you know, we're going to bring yeah. back. I'm feeling pretty confident about the word sound now. I might just say it. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Sound. Didn't you have some cringy stories, Tash?
1: Yeah. So, you know, every now and then you'll be laying in bed and all of a sudden you remember something you've done. Yes. And you're like, why the fuck should I do that? And what possessed me?
2: I think everybody does that.
0: Yeah. And yes. Yeah. The really bad ones you kind of curl up and go, oh no, and like physically cringe. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So in keeping with sort of Tinder with Tash and my tragic dating life, I, on two separate occasions, sent really cringy messages to two men. The first one was a previous place where I worked. This man came in to like, I don't know, do something with the boilers or whatever it was that he was doing And, you know, when you feel like you have the maddest connection with someone, you're like, oh, my God, like the eye contact is unreal. The sexual chemistry, like... Sexual tension in the air. I came away from talking to him, like, all giddy and girly, you know, when you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. This isn't great what I did, but I had a sign-in sheet and I took his number from the sign-in sheet and I sent him a message... Giving him like a rating, so I put like <laughs> like service, customer service, job, like time it took, like and a rating out of ten for each one. So I put everyone as a ten. <laughs> this is so cringy, and I thought
0: I was so. Hilarious. Were you twelve when this happened? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you pass it to him on a
1: note? (laughs) No, I sent him a text message. And then I put like, customer service, 8 out of 10. Hoping that he'd be like, why was it only an 8? And so that I could then be like, well, let's make it a (laughs) 10.
2: Did he say that? Did he?
1: (laughs) He just sent me a message back saying, oh, wow, thanks. (laughs) oh wow <laughs> oh, oh wow honestly i'll see if i can find the message i sent and we can post it
0: oh, I <laughs> it's so gross isn't it that i did that yeah i mean i can see the innocence behind it with a hint of stalker but in a good way like just a hint just a dash like a little pinch of salt salt stalker salt
1: Yeah, obviously, if he was someone like me, he'd be like, that's really bold. But maybe he wasn't, maybe he wasn't single at the time. I've actually found the message what I wrote. Go on, what is it? So I put, (laughs) I don't know if I'll get a feedback survey. So I conducted one myself. Oh, (laughs) touch. I put arrived on time 10 out of 10 I didn't even know it was coming or oh, he arrived on time that's sexy
0: <laughs> points for that punctual yep
1: yeah. completed the task effectively 10 out of 10 customer care 8 out of 10 overall experience 10 out of 10 Comments really friendly, works quickly. Look forward to the next interaction.
2: Oh no, oh. you don't. Oh. Oh, I'm cringing. <laughs> you
0: put, like, customer comments should have bent me over the bar, honestly. <laughs> Something like oh, that. Looking forward to the next interaction. <laughs> Why does that sound like a robot's written that part? Looking forward to next interaction. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> Listen, I thought it was
2: hilarious. It's hilarious to us, but probably not in the same way, babe.
0: <laughs> I love you, Tash, but I've really thought your cringy story would just be something funny and not actually cringy. <laughs> I thought it'd be cringy to you. Oh, but I love you. It makes me love you more. I didn't know it was possible. Another message I sent
1: to somebody. <laughs> oh, God. Is it, is it worse what? or better? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's at the pub that I work at now. Two guys come in. Again, I was like, this is great banter, having a lovely time. We were doing a raffle and I got them to buy some raffle tickets. So obviously, I had their number.
2: I oh, no. <laughs> I had their number. Oh, where is this going? <laughs> Did you say they'd won the raffle, Tash? No. Oh, oh, so I
1: basically sent them a message saying, really sorry to say that you didn't win the raffle, but your friend has hit the jackpot. <laughs> it's so disgusting I'm so vile your friend has hit the jackpot if you could pass my number along to him I'd really appreciate it and then he sent me a message back saying like lol sorry to say but he's married oh shit no I was just like a lucky girl Uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon at the pub (laughs)
0: Tash, you need to stop getting people's numbers. You're going to get yourself in trouble.
1: No, I just think it's bold. I think, what's the worst that's going to happen? The worst that's going to happen is that I'm rejected. Nothing more's worse than that. Yeah,
2: but rejection sucks, man.
1: Yeah, but I just think it's fun. If you do it in a funny way, it's fine. Yeah.
2: Not going to lie, Tash, I think that beats sound.
1: It's so disgusting, isn't it, that I did that?
2: Yeah, and I can see why you think about it at night. That would that would haunt me. Every now
1: and then, I think about it and I think, God, Tash, that was a lie. But it's also hilarious, absolutely hilarious for us. Like, I would love it if someone sent me a message like that. I'd be like, hello. <laughs> like, I I think it's a good thing. Being forwards
0: good. I don't know if I got a message like that. I'd be like, right, well, I'm reporting this person to the police. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's unfair. If you continue to message them, right? Like if I now messaged either of those people, that'd be weird. Doing it once and getting the hint is fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, people are allowed to have a go, but they just need to, yeah, like you say when there's rejection, you just need to take it on the chin.
1: Exactly. It's not even rejection, is it? It just is what it is.
0: Yeah. Well, one of them was married you know yeah that's not rejection that's just uh fact yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah facts, just, just a fact. fact just facts just yeah. just paper mm-hmm. so yeah
1: every now and then i think about those and i want to die inside
2: becky what
1: tell us some murder
2: i would give the uh answer to our song
0: but but nobody got it <gasps> which song was this the one that you did
2: Yeah, it's the one I did last. It was by the police. Didn't we both
0: guess that, though,
2: Tash? Yeah, everybody got it. Yeah. Every breath you take.
1: Every breath you take. Every move you make. That one, yeah? Yeah.
2: That was the one. Nobody got it. Right. But, to be fair, I have given a hint out to somebody, and because this episode won't be posted for another week... They have got another week to think about it, so yeah, we shall see.
1: Maybe we can update next week whether anyone actually got it. Yeah.
2: If she answers before I post this episode, she's won it. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) And remember, guys, you're winning the joy of winning.
2: Yeah, that's literally all you're winning. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll be like famous podcasters and you'll win a sticker or something. (laughs) 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 Listen, I love a sticker. Yeah. Right, Becky, what have you got for us this week?
0: Yeah, so I've got this story. (laughs) I wanted to do like more of a Halloween-y story as soon as this is going to go out around Halloween. But I'd already started this one. But still, it's still on subject of murder.
2: Okay. Are you
0: happy with that? I think so. Yes, please.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm here, so why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're stuck here for the next, uh, what, 40 minutes of story.
2: I'm not going anywhere, so... Crack
0: on. Good girl. Oh.
1: I'm a good girl, Tash. Yeah, you are. Oh. You're a really good girl.
2: Tash, were you being pervy then? (laughs) She was. It was a bit (laughs) sexy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Tash gets her sexy voice on just over the smallest of things. She's like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) yeah. Listen. I'm very sexually deprived at the moment. (laughs) Did you put some yogurt in the microwave and just throw it on your face
2: <laughs> oh, what the fuck
1: <laughs>
2: that is that is so disgusting and what is it with becky yogurt and jizz <laughs> seriously Have i mentioned yogurt and jizz before last week yeah Did <laughs> I? you
1: love a bit of yogurt
2: you said that spunk reminded you of somebody squashing a yoghurt.
0: <laughs> you did. You did say that. I have zero memory of this. I think I think someone else called <laughs> Becky just just kind of interrupted. I don't remember that. Yep, you definitely did. Oh, I don't remember that. And I don't remember hearing it. Did you put that on the episode? Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I have a problem with yoghurt. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway. Do you eat yoghurt? No, I'm not a big fan, to be fair.
2: Well, that's. I think that's why, babes, because there's a weird association going on there. Oh,
0: I love yoghurt. I know you love yoghurt. <laughs> <laughs> Try and get a spoon of it, throw it on your face. <laughs> right. So vile, so vile. Yeah.
2: (laughs) but so funny. Take a photo, Tash, and I'll post it to social
0: media. (laughs) Do it while you're on the
1: stairs. (laughs) Don't you think mayonnaise is more like that, though? No, don't you come for mayonnaise. (laughs) I'm not having it. You know, like when mayonnaise like starts to dry a bit and it sort of starts going translucent.
2: Oh. <laughs> right, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You've taken it one step too far. <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't really like mayonnaise. So. I'm not a big fan. I'm definitely
0: team ketchup.
1: Isn't it supposed to be good for your hair? <laughs> mayonnaise. Oh my god! Yeah, when <laughs> when we were kids and we had nits, my mum used to use that to comb out
0: the nits. <laughs>
2: What, instead of, like, just using conditioner?
0: Like normal, some people. She went and spent money on mayonnaise. I don't know the fucking
1: science. Yeah, but mayonnaise is a lot cheaper than the shit that you'd use to get rid of knits. What, conditioner? No, but, you know, like, knit treatment. Mm. Oh, so does it kill them? I don't know what it did. Yeah. Mum, please write in and tell us what you did because yeah. I don't know. You can, pee but on you me. did it, and I remember it vividly. And then I remember you spraying fucking vinegar on my hair,
0: and we just smelled like a chip shop. I just think you had not <laughs> It was a Sunday night. Your mum didn't know what to do. She just went for the condiments.
1: <laughs> no, somebody shouted across to her in Tesco. What yeah. in the what like, across the street? Put mayonnaise on a rent in Tesco's. Somebody said. Mayonnaise gets rid of knits. I I don't know if I'm making this up, but this is a story in my head. And do I have knits now? No, I don't. It obviously worked. Anyway, Becky,
2: Becky, come on for it, baby. Go for
0: it. (laughs) Okay. So, this uh, story is about a couple called Larry and Laurie Eisenberg. So, I just feel like their name should be a song. Larry and Laurie. (laughs) They go down to play. Or like that.
1: <laughs> that's a great song, Becky. Well done, yeah. That was nice. Yes, yeah, so good.
0: Yeah. And I love the, the second name Eisenberg. I think that's a great last name.
1: That's a nice second name.
0: Well, Larry and Laurie, their story. <laughs> and I'm a poet and I didn't know it. So they lived in a place called the Coeur d'Alene in Idaho. So that is French. So, the Coeur d'Alene was a vacation destination because of the lake of the same name that it sits on. The area is also home to generations of family that make a living working as loggers and mill workers. Local boy, Larry Eisenberg, was born in 1950. And after graduating from the University of Idaho with a degree in forestry, which I didn't know was a thing, and I'm really intrigued. He began working in the lumber industry. Larry married his first wife in 1974 and had two children with her, Jessica and Dean Eisenberg.
2: You're just going to keep saying Eisenberg, aren't you? Because you like it. Yeah,
0: I do like it. They would end up divorced once their kids grew up. Oh. And soon after, Larry met Laurie, who was then called Laurie Barnes. So they met at the Coeur Chamber of Commerce. Laurie was born in 1953. She grew up in a sect of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
2: Is that like a cult? I don't
1: know. No, it's not. It isn't a cult. It's like a community. I think they're like Christians, but like they're different. You know, like you've got Mormons and, you know, like all sorts. Oh, I don't know how to say it.
2: It's like a cult, but. Not as bad. I don't think it's a cult.
1: No, I don't think they're cults. I think they're like, I don't know how to say it, but I think they're like legit religions. Yeah. Maybe a little bit culty, but I don't think so.
2: Yeah. I'm Googling it. A sect is a group of people that has separated from a larger group and has a particular set of
0: religious or political beliefs. So it's a baby cult.
2: That's what i was saying. It's like cult
0: light. mm I
2: can't believe this isn't cult. Yeah. I can't believe
0: it's not cult. (laughs) She grew up in a sect and her early life was marked by poverty, with her family sometimes squatting in empty farmhouses. She married Stephen Barnes when she was 19 in 1973. They had six daughters together. They would end up divorcing in 1996 And afterwards, Laurie relocated to the Cœur d'Alene area to raise her daughters as a single mother. Shout out
1: to all single (laughs) mums.
0: Yeah, big it up to Laurie. Yo, yo, yo. That's why they'd meet then. As I mentioned earlier, they met in Cœur d'Alene, where Laurie was quite successful because he was uh, working in the, the lumber industry, like I mentioned earlier. So they met and they married in 2004. They were described as having a model relationship and were just completely relationship goals. They really enjoyed hosting their large blended family because between them they had eight children, which were all kind of grown up. Laurie and Larry lived in a secluded cabin 20 minutes southwest of town, which they called Our Paradise. Cute. Nice. Yeah. Sound. Sound. (laughs) (laughs) By 2009, the Eisenbergs were pillars of the Coeur d'Alene, actively trying to help their community. Larry had retired, but was still active with various civic groups. And Laurie was the executive director of the North Idaho Housing Coalition, which renovated properties to sell or to rent to families in need. So proper wholesome couple.
2: Yeah, sounds like good people.
0: Larry owned a boat to make most of the beautiful lake where they lived. He and Laurie would sometimes take the family out on the lake for like days out and stuff. And uh, they also just just love spending as much time as possible together on the boat.
2: Sounds like a good plot for a shark film, this.
0: Yeah. And this is where <laughs> the lens on the camera filming just turns dark. And then you just go, until one day tragedy strikes. <laughs> it's Lake Shark. Yeah. <laughs> on the 13th of February 2013, Larry and Laurie decided to get up early and go out on the boat to watch the sunrise,
2: which is so cute. Very cute.
0: Yes. Very
1: romantic.
0: Go, Larry and Laurie. Larry had been feeling unwell. Even texting a friend saying that he was ill. But despite this, they decided to go out on the boat anyway. At 6am, Larry's daughter received a photo from Larry of the sunrise. And it really was beautiful.
2: Sunrise, sunrise.
0: It's like murder in your eyes. (laughs) But at 10.25am on the same day, the Kootenay County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call from Laurie Eisenberg. She said that Larry had fallen into the lake. Oh shit! I do have a clip of the nine one one call, but you can't really hear it very well because the reception is so bad. As she's cutting in and out of this phone call, this is what she said. So Laurie explained that she'd been looking for her husband. She said that her husband had fallen overboard. She couldn't get any signal and couldn't find her phone because she'd left. She had left her phone back at home. But she managed to find Larry's phone, which is what she was calling off. And she said that she's been looking for Larry for hours, just going around trying to find him, and she couldn't get a signal and couldn't couldn't call anyone. And she sounds absolutely freezing, exhausted. She sounds awful on this 911 call, bearing in mind that the temperatures were around 3 degrees, which is 38 degrees Fahrenheit for our American listeners. And at these temperatures, falling into a freezing lake, uh, you're going to succumb to hypothermia pretty quickly. Or the reaction of hitting the water initially can make you gasp, which will, can make you drown. That's what makes you drown in cold water.
2: Oh, that's like my worst fear. Yeah. Drowning. Oh. It's not ideal, is it? Oh, it's, I mean, I'm scared of water. Like, I'm just not a fan of it at all. The whole fact that you can't see... What's going on? There's a word for it. It's a fancy word. I can't remember
0: what it is. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. When you can see right right to the bottom of a lake.
2: Like, like no, when you can't see. If you can see, see. it's fine. It's when you can't see and there's all sorts of shit going on under there. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the idea of drowning is just horrifying.
0: Yeah. And on the 911 call, she sounds really, really, really upset. And she's just like, I've been looking for hours. You know, when you're really cold and you almost sound drunk. Yeah, that's what she sounds like on the on the phone call. It kind of gets you a bit. It just it just sounds awful. She manages to kind of float the boat to the to the side, and the police meet her. Laurie would give a statement to authorities saying that they'd gone out for this sunrise cruise before planning to get breakfast at a local restaurant afterwards. And she says as they were driving around in in the lake, they'd stopped because Larry had stood up and said there's something wrong with the engine. So he stood up, looked over the side of the boat. Laurie said, and this is a quote, he said that the motor didn't sound right. He just stood up and sort of looked back at me. And he had this weird blank look on his face. Oh! And then I saw him stumbling and I jumped up. She said that she smacked her head. And tried to grab him. And his kind of face went all funny and he fell over the side. Did he have a stroke or something? That's what she's thinking. She's initially thinking that he's, he's had some sort of stroke and he's fallen into the water. And she says the minute that he went in the water, because it was still quite dark, just nothing, he'd gone straight down. She couldn't see him at all.
2: Which is weird because, you know, he would have been splashing about and stuff.
0: Yeah, but it looks like, whatever happened to him he was just out for it and he's gone straight down and because they were kind of dressed in warm clothes that drags you down that goes really heavy
2: and he didn't feel well did he
0: yeah no and he said that he didn't feel well so laurie said that she'd shouted at you know shouted trying to get this torch to work and it kept going out couldn't see anything she couldn't start the boat at first because he'd He'd either knock the key out or something. Something happened and she couldn't find how to turn the boat back on. Oh, fucking nightmare. The killer key thing, that thing. Yeah. Then she found it, but it was kind of broken and she managed to get it to work in the end. And then after a while, she found his phone and managed to drive to a point where she got signal and that's when she called 911. But by the time all that happened, it was nearly two hours that she was screaming for him on this boat, really, really cold, and it was too early for anyone else to be up. Police launched a search of the area, trying to find Larry, but the search didn't turn up anything, and the next day, unfortunately, the rescue soon turned into a recovery operation, as it was almost impossible for him to survive those temperatures for long, or even if he'd got to the side of the lake, if he was soaking wet. You know, he'd just, he'd succumb to... Hypothermia. You know, diavics, yeah, hypothermia and die of exposure as well. Larry, or Larry's body, was just nowhere to be found. Police interviewed Laurie a few times and just try and get a few more details and try and find out where in the lake it happened, because it's quite a big lake, but they do live there, you know, and they've been on the lake many times. So she gave a few det- more details and they moved the search there and divers in the water and the divers could only be in there for a certain amount of time because it was February so they interviewed the children and look at home to see if there's anything you know ask her if there's any medical history you know what type of um, symptoms did he have he said that he wasn't very well and she was just like well no he just kind of had a cold really it wasn't anything to note but his children said that he actually was quite poorly, you know, he, not the flu, but kind of get into it. Yeah. They did think that it was weird that they'd go on a really early morning cruise in, in February if he was coming down with the flu. So please start looking into her a little bit more. And the more she was telling her story again, more indiscrepancies come up, like she'd change things, but not just changing things that naturally happens when you repeat the story. It's like actually changed the story a little bit, just a few things just weren't adding up. So they look into her and they find that on the same morning that Larry disappeared, it was reported that Laurie was no longer employed at a job at the North Idaho Housing Coalition because they had had an internal audit that had been ordered by the coalition due to accounting irregularities And an investigation would reveal that over the previous years, Laurie had embezzled $579,000 from the North Idaho Housing Coalition. So she had stolen over $500,000.
1: That's a lot of money.
0: Yes.
2: So Laurie's not all that sweet and nice and... Nope.
0: Not the picture you were painting? No. Yeah, so she had um, access to their bank accounts... And she had submitted bogus invoices from companies set up in her daughter's names with their knowledge and was just a little bit of an old fraudster. Laurie, Laurie, Laurie. Yeah. So on the 27th of February, 2018, Laurie was arrested on 40 counts of forgery.
2: Holy shit, she was busy.
0: Yeah. One count of grand theft. Whoops. Yep. And her $75,000 bail was posted by one of her daughters the following day, probably using the money that they helped her steal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A few days later, on the 1st of March, the body of 68-year-old Larry Eisenberg was spotted floating in Sunup Bay near Worley, Idaho, according to witnesses. that They found his body. And not long after posting bail and going back home, Laurie actually went on the run.
1: Oh my God, she's a rebel.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it was after she missed two court dates that the police was like, oh, maybe we should uh, actually try and find her and make her come to court.
2: That's a clue that is when she didn't turn up twice.
0: Yeah, so a $500,000 warrant was offered for Laurie's arrest. Blimey. In the meantime, Laurie's autopsy was carried out And it was revealed that he died from diphenhydramine toxicity. So I really hope that was pronounced right. She poisoned him. Yes. Which basically means he died of an overdose of the antihistamine drug Benadryl, which is an allergy medication. Wow. Yeah. The diphenhydramine causes drowsiness even at normal dosage levels. And a normal dosage is between 100 and 1000 nanograms per milliliter. A staggering 7,100 nanograms was found in Larry's body at the time of his death.
1: Jesus. She went in.
0: So he was likely dead before he went overboard.
2: Yeah, he died on the boat and she chucked him over.
0: Yeah. So Larry's son, Dean, told investigators that his father would have divorced Laurie if he had known about her criminal behaviour.
1: I don't think I'm reasonable to divorce somebody for that reason.
0: Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: And in the week before Larry's death, Laurie had cancelled the Coeur press subscription because she knew that they were just about to publish an article on her misdeeds. Oh! Yes. So she knew it was coming out. She knew
2: she was going to get caught. Yeah. But did she put a life insurance policy on him or something? Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, I think... Yeah, she did.
2: There we go. Yeah.
0: And also he had a lot of assets that she could inherit as his wife
2: but yeah so yeah. she it, she killed him for the money not just so he didn't divorce her because yeah killing somebody instead of getting divorced is extreme right very extreme
0: oh load of many, loads of people do it <laughs> but, what?
2: you're divorcing me so i'm going to murder you
0: a lot of the husbands that killed the wives do it for that reason because they don't want to lose half their money to their ex-wife
2: yeah but there's still money involved i'm saying just for
0: sentimental reasons like nobody's
2: like oh no you're not going to if you're divorcing me i'm going to kill you
0: (laughs) oh no 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 it was just for the money i understand now so i didn't get it (laughs) no it's fine it's fine it's fine it's for the money and also i suppose with him out of the way she could just take the money and build a new knife somewhere else
2: well in theory yeah i mean she's got a lot of money she's been a busy girl
0: yeah. I think it's like $500,000. Where is it? What she done? Yeah, well, she gave a lot of it to her daughters, apparently. And she doesn't stop there. And she doesn't stop there. And <laughs> she doesn't stop there. So an examination of her computer found online searches for water depths, drownings, boating rentals and boating accidents... And, like,
2: yeah, that's not good to have on your computer.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a kind of leaving breadcrumbs, isn't it, to you being the murderer?
2: Breadcrumbs? That's a whole fucking baguette, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a whole baguette. <laughs> Sound. Dear <but> me. <laughs> yeah. So, investigators also learned that in January 2018. Laurie had made handwritten changes to larry's will of
1: course she had
0: which is the stupidest thing in the world that you can do in america or certain states in america that you could just find someone's will and make a handwritten note on it and say hey no that's uh, the guy that just died he did that before he died
2: what and that's completely legal
0: that's completely legal i mean no, they're supposed to have done it themselves But it doesn't have to be uh, countersigned by a a solicitor or anything like what it does in France, for example. If you had three children and really didn't like one of them, you couldn't disinherit that child. Oh, no, they
2: don't like that. You
0: can't do that. No, you can't do that at all. So, And even if you're married... Like your half would go to the children, yet your partner, if they're living in the house, for example, gets to stay there. And if they want to sell the house, the children would have to kind of give back their share to the husband or wife that's uh, that's still alive. But not in America. So what Laurie had done is she had written changes to Larry's will. The changes left 80% of Larry's estate to Laurie's six daughters. And leaving only 20% to his own two children.
2: Yeah, that's ridiculous. Nobody's going to believe that. Come on now.
0: I don't know what the frig they did. That's kind of how it was going, which I think also helped make Larry's children suspicious of what's going on.
2: It's really making me wonder about my own life choices because we're pretty poor, right? I mean, we're not super poor, but we're not rich by any means. And Mm. we're both very clever people. Laurie sounds like she's fucking rolling in it, but she sounds thick as shit. Yeah, I know. It's so annoying, isn't it? It's
0: so <laughs> annoying. Yeah. I do think I'd be a better murderer than Laurie was. <laughs> yeah. But... Did you just yeah. say you'd make a better murderer than Laurie would? Yeah, I'd be a smarter... Smarter... Not a better murderer, but I'd be a smarter murderer than Laurie is. Well, fucking hell, man. <laughs> I don't know that's what
1: Emma was angling at. I think she was like embezzling money. That was more her angle. But, you know, if you want to kill people, Becky, we will. But she wasn't even good at that. We'll she support got caught. you from the sideline.
2: No, we're not. That's literally one of our mottos, don't kill people. No,
0: it's true. No. I meant <laughs> Look at Becky trying to dig herself out of a hole. Look at her go. Oh, we already know that I'm the worst liar in the world <laughs> and couldn't embezzle a fucking potato talk about five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> so
2: you weren't talking about that though you were talking about killing someone he's psycho
1: <sighs> yeah you wanted to be a full-on murderer if
0: i was her i'd be a bit smarter that's what i meant she's just like scribbling on wills yeah giving things away yeah, yeah. leaving baguettes
2: she was leaving fucking ginormous yeah. baguettes Mm. I do wonder if the true crime gets to Becky sometimes, Tash. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We should keep an eye on
0: her. I'm a bit like you, dickhead. Like, like, oh, left it like a single hair at the crime scene. I'm like you, amateur.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus!
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit like you, dick. You, over you deserve to be caught now. <laughs> Anyway, so Laurie pleaded guilty to three counts of wire fraud and one count of theft from a federal program, to which she was sentenced to five years in prison and to order to pay a $20,000 fine. Okay. In February 2020, Laurie was formally charged with first-degree murder in the death of her husband, Larry. Good, good. A year later, in February 2021, She entered a Alfred plea. So what an Alfred plea is, like a plea deal to second degree murder, professing her innocence, but acknowledging the fact that if it went to trial, she would likely be convicted.
2: All right. Okay.
0: So it's a bit like, I think I'm going to lose this trial. I'm saying I'm innocent, but I'm going to take the plea for the lower charge of second degree murder rather than risk going down for the first degree. Gotcha. Uh-huh. So, Larry's children were not very happy with the fact that she got to take a plea deal.
2: Understandable.
0: Yeah. At her sentencing on the 25th of May, 2021, Laurie claimed that on the morning of her husband's murder, she had prepared a poison drink for herself in order to die by suicide, but Larry accidentally
2: drank it. I don't believe that. Oh.
0: While she was asleep, just happened to be... You're going to commit suicide, but you just have a little nap on the boat first. That sounds real.
1: Oh, I definitely want a nap before I die.
2: You're going for the eternal nap, love.
0: Yeah, I've got to say, <laughs> you would You would nap forever with a dirt nap. A
2: dirt nap?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a murderer's term, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop pissing me off, or I'm sending you for a dirt nap, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and my hair's going to be tied back.
0: Laurie made it out that Larry accidentally drank her suicide drink while she was asleep on the on the boat. So yeah, absolute spaghetti bollocks.
2: Did you say spaghetti bollocks?
0: No, spaghetti. Oh.
2: I was going to say, spaghetti bollocks is absolutely fantastic. We should coin that and use it often. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, spaghetti bollocks. Yeah,
2: spaghetti bollocks.
0: She did this as if it was like a play for leniency, but the judge was unmoved by the little flappy story that she's just told. Good. And she sentenced the 67 year old to life in prison Fuck with yes. 30 years fixed. Go. So. Best case scenario, she gets out after 30 years, she's going to be 97.
1: She ain't getting out.
0: Nah.
2: Good. Good riddance to bad rubbish.
0: Yeah. You might think, well, what happened to her daughters that were like stealing, helping their mother steal money? So they all pled guilty to federal theft charges. So Eisenberg's daughters were called Amber Hoskin, Jessica Barnes, Tracy Tesh and April Barnes. So they were sentenced to a combination of house arrest and probation and ordered to pay $50,000 in fines, which I think they got off really fucking lightly. Yeah, because apparently they kind of all had, I think, okay, like no previous and it was kind of all coming from their mother which I think that's how they played it, but...
2: And please tell me that Will wasn't respected, right?
0: I tried to find out more, and I don't know. I think they had to pay... I don't think they got it, but I'm not sure. God, I hope they didn't. Yeah, I tried to find it. I I found a few articles of where Larry's children are now and and that, but they don't mention the the, uh, inheritance so, I got most of my notes for this from an article from oxygen.com in the crime news section, section called Laurie Eisenberg Has Husband Killed Before Her Fraud Revealed. It was called. And then also an episode of Snapped. And I love Snapped.
2: Never watched it, never heard of it.
0: Like, a lot of it is like women that's, well, it's like women that snap oh, and they kill their husbands. That makes sense. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's all women or just couples. I can't remember. But yeah, no, it's good. It's a good one. Recommend. And that's it. That's the story of poor Larry Eisenberg and his twatty wife. Muchas gracias, señorita. Thanks, Becky. No problem. Oh, we've just got a, a right answer for the song. All right. It's Nicole. And she put, oh, is it Every Breath You Take by the police? <laughs> I bit about a million question marks. So yeah, it's Nicole.
2: Nicole, get in.
0: So, yes, well done, Nicole.
2: Well done, Nicole. Well done. You're the only one, Nicole. You are the champion. You can wave that in front of Stacey and says,
1: You are the one and only.
2: Right, do you want to hear my story? Oh, go on. Right, so it's a bit of a mixed bag this week. Basically, what's happened is I am burnt out. We've had five episodes of Fred. And then four episodes of Sally. And I've just been reading and researching and reading and researching and
0: editing. And... and then there was that episode that went wrong.
2: And then, yeah, then did two episodes and I'm just absolutely wiped. So this is a bit of a mixed bag, but I think it's a good mixed bag. Listen, who doesn't love a mixed bag? I know. The first thing I thought we'd talk about is changelings. Oh my god, yes. We said we'd come back to it after the Pauline Picard case once I'd finished The Black Monk of Pontefract, so I looked into Changelings a little bit. Now, this is where I'm going to encroach a little bit on Becky. How dare you! I'm sorry! (laughs) (laughs) Because, you will see. In folklore, Changelings are troublesome fairy children that have been swapped by the fae who have taken the human child to the fairy realm. That's the folklore. This sadly has a more sinister history. This legend came about mostly in Europe and was used as an excuse for parents embarrassed by their child who either had physical or mental disabilities. Sometimes it could just be a baby that cried too much and it would be called a changeling. Okay. So it's literally like, my baby's not behaving, it's because it's not my baby, it was stolen by fairies, and now I'm left with this.
0: Yeah. And then what did they do with the child that they had? Well, they brought it up
2: as their own, but if anybody ever questioned it, they'd just be like, no, it's a changeling. All right. This didn't stop at just, like, your commoners. Some royals were even dubbed changelings. Funnily enough, King Charles I, who was the king we talked about on the first episode of the Black Monk of Pontefract. Didn't he have like a massive head? Well, I don't know, but I know it got chopped off. Oh, wasn't he really into bread,
1: wasn't he?
0: I don't know, sweetie.
1: Yeah, I think
2: so.
0: He sounded so sad when Emma said that his head got chopped off. <laughs> like, oh.
2: Charles I is the only king that has been executed And he hid in the castle in Pontefract. Do you not remember the story?
0: Yeah, I remember that. But executed in England, you mean?
2: Yeah. Yes, in England.
0: I'm going to say because the French bloody chopped everyone up. They loved it.
2: Yeah, just in the UK. But he was actually dubbed a changeling because he wasn't an easy child. And his nursemaid said that she saw a figure standing over his cot one night before vanishing. Oh, wow.
0: So, like, if you're next time my child, my th- nearly three-year-old misbehaves in the supermarket, I'll just be like, well, never fear everyone. It's a uh, changeling. Nothing to do with my par- parental yeah. skills.
2: Yeah. No, it's a fairies that have stolen your baby. Yeah.
0: Okay, then. I'll try that. and say, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs>
2: King James was also rumoured to be a changeling. And he was rumoured to be a changeling because he had
0: homosexual tendencies. Oh, right it sounds like changelings have more fun to me
2: (laughs) so the answer to could there be a paranormal explanation to changelings in short no it was simply a way for people to hide their embarrassment if their child wasn't totally
0: perfect yeah which like no children are
2: exactly sorry have you met my kids The term changeling became more well-known after the 2008 film Changeling that was based on a true story, and I shall now tell you that story. Did you do your little cum noise there, (laughs) Becky, or Tash? (laughs) That was definitely not my cum
0: noise. It was definitely
2: Tash, it (laughs) wasn't (laughs) me. Walter Collins was a California native born in September of 1918. In 1928, nine-year-old Walter was living in Lincoln Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles with his mother, a phone operator at the nearby telephone company, while his father was serving 40 years at Folsom Prison on a third-strike robbery charge.
1: Oh, for goodness
2: sake. Mm -hmm. On March 10th of 1928, Christine Collins was getting ready for a last-minute shift when she gave Walter some money to go to the movies. He was later seen standing on a street corner in Lincoln Heights at around 5pm by a neighbour. This would be the last accurate sighting of Walter Collins. When it started to get dark outside and Walter still wasn't home, Christine immediately became frantic as she started to search for him. When visiting the homes of all Walter's friends, turned up no results, Christine contacted the Los Angeles Police Department. Walter's disappearance received nationwide attention and hundreds of tips came rolling in. Blimey. But they would ultimately all result in dead ends. The LAPD briefly considered that Walter was kidnapped for ransom by an enemy or former acquaintance of his father, because his father's a wrong one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This was also turn up nothing. After months of of negative publicity and scrutiny, the officer in charge of the case, Captain J.J. Jones, was delighted in August of 1928 when he received the news that a boy in, and I am going to murder this pronunciation, so I apologise, DeKalb? You've got to
1: just say it with confidence,
2: babe. Yeah that a boy in DeKalb, Illinois, turned himself into the police with the claim that he was Walter Collins. Christine was more than happy to pay the $70, about $1,140 today, to bring the boy back to Los Angeles. But upon his arrival, a public reunion organised by the police in hopes of finally being cast in a positive light by the press, Christine had to take Captain Jones aside and inform him of the bad news. They had it wrong. The boy in question was not Walter Collins. He merely resembled Walter. Emotionally drained, Christine was eventually convinced by Jones to take him home and, quote marks, try him out for a few weeks. What? Christine returned to Jones three weeks later, this time with dental records and testimonials from friends to prove her case, again claiming that the child in her custody was not her son. Jones. Was less than impressed. What are you trying to do? Make fools out of us all? Or are you trying to shrink your duty as a mother and have the
0: state provide for your son? What twat? It's just not the right person, then obviously.
2: No. He then goes on to say, You are the most cruel hearted woman I've ever known. You are a fool, Jones allegedly told Collins before having her committed to the psychiatric ward Ah. at Los Angeles County
0: Hospital. What, this woman doesn't agree with me, so I'm going to commit her?
2: Under a Code 12 internment, which is a term used to jail or commit someone who was deemed difficult or an inconvenience.
1: Nice. Oh,
2: fuck me. And I bet only women got that. Probably. So she was put in a psychiatric ward because this little boy was not her son. She had proof it wasn't her son, but the police didn't want the bad press. Well, why would they?
0: (sighs) Him, please.
2: So, afterwards, Jones interrogated the boy, who eventually admitted to being 12 year old Arthur J. Hutchins Jr. After his mother died, he said he lived a solitary life with his cold fish of a father and malicious stepmother. He ran away, hitchhiking around the country and working odd jobs. Hutchins' primary motive for posing as Walter was to get to Hollywood to meet his favourite actor, Tom Mix. Hutchins was promptly sent back to his family in Iowa and then sent to the Iowa training school for boys. In his late teens and early adulthood, he sold concessions at carnivals and eventually moved back to California, where he worked as a horse trainer and jockey. Arthur died in either 1952 or 1954, depending on which publication you read, of a blood clot leaving behind a wife and a young daughter. Christine Collins was released from the hospital 10 days after Hutchins' confession and filed a lawsuit against the LAPD. Good for her. Fairly so. She won her lawsuit against Captain Jones and was awarded $10,800, approximately 150000 today. Wow. But Jones never paid. The only punishment Jones received for what he did to Christine Collins was a four-month unpaid suspension from the LAPD. Fuck
1: me. That seems plausible.
2: Less than 24 hours after Christine Collins' September 13th release from hospital, there would be a major and tragic development in Walter's case. On the afternoon of September 14th, 1928, a 15-year-old boy in LA's juvenile hall named Sanford Clark asked to speak to detectives. He told them a long, harrowing tale of his experience for the last two years at his Uncle Stuart Gordon Northcott's Chicken Ranch in rural Wineville, about 14 miles northwest of Riverside, where four boys had been murdered. One of them, he said, was the boy who was in all the newspapers. Walter Collins. While Gordon Northcott was found guilty and sentenced to death for three murders, investigators that raided his farm and found bits of body parts and clothing belonging to young boys theorised that they may have been as many as 11 victims.
1: Oh my God.
2: These killings would later be referred to as the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Yeah. Yeah. Despite Northcott's mother confessing to killing Walter, so his mum was in on it as well. Have you heard of this before, Becky?
0: Yeah. I think she helped cover things up. Or she definitely enabled things.
2: Despite Northcott's mother confessing to killing Walter, Christine refused to believe he was ever there, as his body was never recovered. On February 13th, Nineteen twenty-nine, Northcott was sentenced to death and hanged on October thirtieth, nineteen thirty. Good. It said that he had to be supported during his climb up the thirteen steps, and then collapsed on the gallows. He was more or less rolled through the trapdoor, where he, he was strangled to death at the end of the noose. As the rope used during his execution was too slack to cause any breakage to the neck. It apparently took Northcott 13 minutes to die from strangulation. And can I just say, fucking deserved. Yeah. Wineville changed its name to Miraloma on November 1st, 1930. Christine Collins never lost hope that Walter was still alive somewhere and continued to search for him for the rest of her life. That's a heart. I know. She died in 1964 at the age of 75. So, okay, that kind of encroached on Becky's side a little bit, but I thought it was important to say that I had looked into it and sadly anything I found just sent me to missing children and wrong children being returned to the family. One little boy was returned to a family even though his own mother said that he was hers and in no way the missing boy they thought he was. The family refused to believe her and they got to keep her son forever. However, the boy grew up and got married, had children. They'd all heard the story, so they decided to get a DNA test. The DNA test proved that they were not biologically related to their grandparents, meaning the boy's poor mother had been telling the truth all along and had to sit back and watch another family raise her son. That is so weird. Horrendous. Horrendous, horrendous. So that's Changelings. I've got some more spooky stuff. I will get back to the spooky stuff, but changelings—not spooky. It's just missing kids. Just
0: missing kids
2: and murders and cockups. Yeah. So sounds
0: like it. So it's definitely just missing kids and nothing supernatural. Well, it's at just all. a legend, isn't yeah. it?
2: So
1: there's nothing supernatural. It's just a. Um...
2: I think it is just a legend that was used as a despicable excuse for kids' disabilities. Yeah, basically yeah there might be fairies out there are they stealing kids i don't think so
1: i don't think they would either they're just taking teeth
2: that's yeah. exactly what fairies do which is also horrific right also really annoying when they don't
1: come because you're the one that gets the blame in the morning as the parent yeah
0: oh no it's also really annoying when <laughs> they lose a tooth on like a weekend and all you have is like a 10 pound note that's also annoying that is
2: annoying that's annoying don't you think that the idea of a little fairy that comes and steals children's teeth is horrifying? My kids are terrified of the tooth fairy.
1: I think that as parents, we set ourselves up to fail endlessly. And I don't understand why we do that. It's societal it's like that fucking pressure. fucking elf
2: on the shelf, innit? I don't do that. First night, it's all right. And then the second time, it's like, well, what the fuck's he going to do tonight? And what? Jesus, you get into bed and you're like, I forgot the fucking elf. Do you know what I said to my kids? And this
1: is so horrible. I said to them, you get allocated it when you're born. And because they don't do elf on the shelf in France, we never got one. How fucking horrible
2: was that? (laughs) (gasps) I didn't buy my kids an elf on a shelf. It got given to us.
1: I wouldn't do it, mate. I haven't got time for that shit.
2: We didn't do it last year because I've no idea where the little fucker's gone.
0: Our oh, wires keeps popping up. It's in the toy box somewhere. It, like, gleams at me and it's like, "Yeah, oh, soon, only two months
2: left. <laughs> but isn't the whole idea that the little elf comes to make sure the children behave and then reports back? I don't really know what the elf on the shelf is for.
1: It's a load of fucking shit. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, it angers me and I don't even do it, but it pisses me off that people do it. And actually, it's really all these things actually annoy me because not everyone is able to do that in their families for various different reasons. I just don't do it because I'm lazy but there are like so many reasons why families can't do these types of things and it's just pressure mm.
2: it is pressure and it's not fair to the kids that are then at school and everybody's got elf on the shelf and they're like well why haven't i got an elf on the shelf
1: yeah and then
0: i'm a shit mum and I have to make up some shit like right, i them. just need to say well uh, because mummy uh hasn't got a lot of time on her hands like some people do <laughs> I don't know, I think we got given our elf on the shelf and I think I did it once or twice and I was like, fuck me, I can't be asked to do anything else.
2: Anyway, so moving on to a spooky story that was actually sent to me by a listener and that is Stacy. So big up Stacy! Yay Stacy! Tash is going to love this. Go on.
1: Oh, was it about socks? no.
2: Just like ghostly socks walking about the house. I mean, fucking hell, that would be terrifying, but no, that's not what this is about. Okay. Linda Hill couldn't understand why her tenants kept moving out of her Texas property 10 in two years. Fucking hell. The longest staying just six months until one of them confessed to her that the house was haunted. Linda, of course, did not believe this for a second until she stayed in the house herself. She was taking a shower one day and saw a figure outside of the shower curtain looking at her. Looking good, the figure said. Fuck off, is that what you're looking saying? Looking yeah. good.
1: <laughs>
2: she just assumed it was her husband because, you you know, you, you can just see a silhouette through the curtain, can't yeah, you? Yeah, but she shaked her tits at him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So she just assumed it was her husband until he walked in moments later asking who on earth she was talking to. It was then that she realised maybe there was something to this haunting after all. (laughs) She also captured an audio recording of a disembodied voice saying, Oh baby, oh baby, yeah, I like it (gasps) like that. Cringy sex ghost. So after some research, they discover that the property was once a brothel. Fuck off!
1: (laughs) This is killing me.
2: Mayonnaise flying everywhere. (laughs) Can we leave the mayonnaise alone? It's yoghurt, okay? Okay. Mm -mm. (laughs) So after some research, they discovered that the property was once a brothel, which could explain the ghostly sex talk, but also that the property was built over a well. Does that ring any bells? Yes. Oh, ghost of Pontefract. As we have just seen with Fred, wells, water sources and ghosts aren't a good mix. Or they are, depending on what you want. Yeah. It's not just the dirty talk, though. Things move around the house and a very stiff door to open and close opens by itself. Linda has taken this as an opportunity, recalling the house Hill House Manor, and has opened it to paranormal groups. Some explain the activity, saying the well is some kind of portal. Either way, sexy or not, it's a big old no from me. Oh, it's mad though, isn't
0: it? Oh, looking good.
2: <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that's oh so, yeah, that's baby. so funny to me. <laughs> I like it like that. You just couldn't take a ghost seriously if they were saying that, could you?
2: I mean I'd be shitting my pants. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Funny or not funny, I'd be like, Nope, sorry, I'm out. So that was a little a little funny story. I've yeah, also got laugh. uh one of my good friends who sent me a ghost story in. Sorry, was that Becky or I that sent you that? No, you've never sent me a ghost story. And if you do, you just tell them on the podcast. Oh, so
1: you've got more friends than just yeah, us? Yeah. That's
2: right. A friend. Oh, so it's the girl who was too busy to podcast because she was with her friend. <laughs> friend. <laughs> uh, oh, friend. Yeah, it was. All right. <laughs> Tasha's the friend. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read this in her words, okay? Yeah. I used to own a music pub. It had letting rooms on the top floor and my quarters. It had three bars on the main floor, one of which has a tiny stage for duos to play on. This sounds like a banging place. Yeah, it does. A large commercial kitchen and one of the bars I turned into a restaurant. We also had a cellar bar which had arches throughout where bands would play. Oh yeah, I enjoy a cellar bar. Yeah, extremely atmospheric. One winter we had really bad snow and the police came to us to ask if I could put up some stranded motorists for the night, which of course I did. We had four letting rooms, number four was the room that my dogs would not go in, but sit at the door whining whenever I went to clean after guests. On this night whilst I made up the room my dogs whined and barked. Once finished, I showed the couple to the room. At midnight, there was a frantic knock on my door and the couple was standing there shaking. They asked to be moved as something kept sitting on the bed and bouncing. This even happened when they were scared and put the lights on. I had no other rooms but had a front room next to my bedroom. They literally pleaded with me to sleep in there, which they did. We also had a problem with the small stage in the main bar the dogs would bark at that too, and when musicians would set up their equipment before playing, they would have a drink at the bar, and when they went to play, they would find their equipment messed around with, yet no one had been close to the stage, and there was a room full of people vouching that no one had been near. We also had a problem in the cellar bar. One of my bar staff, who was a big burly biker and an ex-soldier, he got so scared one day changing a bottle of gas down there that he would never go down again. We would also be serving in the main bars and the beer and gas would be turned off, yet no one could go into the cellar as it was always kept locked. It was a lively place, yet always kind to me. Yeah, that's creepy. It's a little bit creepy. And dogs know, yeah. man. Dogs know. Yeah, dogs know. Definitely. If your dog's barking and do not want to go in, mm, it's not a good sign. No, definitely not. And I've got one last story from a fellow podcaster. Go on. Called Craig over at the Diabolical Podcast. Big up, They Craig. do movie reviews. They're very funny. Is he called Craig or Craig? He's called Craig. Okay. He's from England. They are fellow British podcasters. Ah. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Oh, Hi. So when his family were living in a house called the Clock House, as it was situated next to a landmark clock with all the gears visible, do you know the ones I'm talking about? See what they did there? (laughs) Yep. It's a bit creepy though, isn't it? It reminds me a bit about like lock and key, like key house kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So his mum, who was pregnant at the time with his older sister, walked in to see his older brother, who was a toddler, playing with a little girl with blonde curly hair. That shouldn't have been there. When his sister was born, she had a mop of blonde, curly hair. Oh. It's a shorty, but it's a goody. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's not the one, is it?
2: So his mum basically had a premonition of the daughter, or the daughter popped down to play with her future brother. Bit spooky. Ooh.
1: Yeah, it's given me a shot of that.
2: So thanks for that, Craig. And thanks for that anonymous close friend of mine. And thanks for the article about the Changelings. And thanks for the recommendation of the Sexy Ghost Brothel House from Stacy. See, I told you it was a mixed bag. Yeah. Thank you very much to each and every one of the contributors. And I'm not going to lie, the article about the Changelings, I more or less copy and pasted it, but I will post in the description the link to the article and the author of the article. 'Cause credit due where it's due, right?
1: Absolutemon.
2: Yaha. Uh-huh. Shall we wrap this bad boy up? Oh yeah. I've got the song this morning. Oh, you've got the song. Tasha's written a song. Listen. I don't know how
1: this is gonna go. And I don't know
2: It's gonna go so well. It's gonna be amazing. You gotta do your scary, sexy voice. Okay.
1: You think I'm miles away, but I'm watching you girl tonight you look so pretty the lights are so bright they hide me i'm watching i'm closer than i should be you'll never be alone just listen to the song again close your eyes hear my voice it's closer than you think i'm by your side you think i'm thousands of miles away a plane train or car ride away But I'm there, watching, waiting. I hear you and your friends making fun of us, of me. I can promise you that by the time I'm through with you, the world will never be the same. The only one to blame will be you. I will go down in history for what I do. They'll know it's all because of you. It's what you do. Oh, it's what you do.
2: And that's the end. I have no idea what that was. Becky, do you know?
0: I'll have to have a think. It's good though. I reckon I'm going to have a
2: look. So shall we wrap it up? Yes.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, you can get us on all our regular um, social medias. So TikTok, Twitter, um you can catch me at Tinder or uh, <laughs> Instagram on SCSK underscore podcast. Uh we're also on Facebook under Spine Chillers and Serial Killers.
0: And you can email Becky Yeah on chillers dot killers dot pod at gmail dot com. So, any uh, suggestions? We want those bad
2: Tinder dates. We want the
0: bad Tinder. Emma desperately wants the bad Tinder date stories to lift the mood off a little murder.
1: And also, guys, you know, I am going speed dating next week. So, I'm hoping to be wifed up by Christmas.
0: Yes. And therefore, there'll be no more great stories. Yeah. And I think we might lose listeners. So, you're just going to have to keep Tinder open for some um, side pieces. Okay. Little snacks on the side.
2: Even if you are married up, I've got some funny stories about my husband, so I can keep it going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: I, we, I was watching a video. I, I, f- I fell down a rabbit hole on uh, Reddit, and I just was watching all these videos, and one of them was a girl who couldn't open a champagne bottle. Oh, God. And she decided it'd be a good idea to open it with her teeth, right? Wow. Oh. oh. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. I was like, oh my God, no, please don't do that. So you can imagine what happened, yeah? Yeah. It went smacked her straight in the back of her throat. I mean, fuck knows, that must have hurt like a motherfucker. And Ben was next to me and I was like, I can't believe she was so stupid. I can't believe somebody was so stupid. And Ben was like, what are you watching? And I showed him and he was like, oh yeah, I've done that. And I was like, who the fuck
0: are you? What have I married? Who have I married? Seriously. So it's like when I went, I don't I've said this on the podcast before, but when I went uh, on the honeymoon with my husband, he uh, cut a bagel like it was a piece of cake. And that's how he ate it, the bagel. He cut it. That's not how it's done, Noel. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know this person. <laughs> yeah. But I was
2: shocked, genuinely shocked, because he's a very clever chap. Yeah. But... Uh,
0: Not when alcohol and champagne's involved and he wants to get in there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyway, thanks
1: for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe.
0: Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. 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 Bye.